The Daily Tap is live for Friday. It is July 7th. We're going to be talking about if the 2024 Brewers could be the 2023 Reds. We'll explain. We'll also ask some questions about the Brewers Reds series that's coming up this weekend, which I am so excited for. How can you not be? It is the series of the season thus far. Then we will talk about Buck Summer League, what to watch for, what to keep your eyes out for. Not obviously to have any real hot takes, but stuff you can kind of just pay attention to. And then lastly, we'll talk about my bar shuttle experience that I've wanted to rant about for over a week, heading into the weekend, helping out the people of the great city of Wauwatosa. Before we get going, just a reminder, we're all over the social medias. We just got on the threads. Tabby the Keg Sports. It's the same as our Instagram. It's the same as our TikTok. You can follow us there. Uh, I haven't been doing a ton of threading, uh, just popping in here and there. Uh, on Twitter, still tapping the Keg. I will be on Twitter more than threads. I will tell you that right away, as I said on yesterday's pod. If you listened, if you haven't, stay tuned. Listen to that after you get done with listening to this. I just feel like threads will not be a place for sports fans. I think it's a place for other other people to hang out, pop culture, uh, food, uh, music. Like I think that's where people would hang out. Memes, like that's that's what threads is going to be. I think Twitter will still be for sports, still be for news because there's no chronological feed in threads, and that's going to be a problem for news organizations. It just is. It's not. It's, it's really a, it's not somewhere where you can be breaking news because that shit will get buried right away. If uh, you are not a social person or you are, but you have not subscribed to the podcast, what are you doing? We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, if you already are subscribed, you know what I want you to do. I want you to drop that in the group chat. I want you to leave a rating. We'd really appreciate that. Um, those are always welcomed uh you gotta bump up the boys talk talk about the boys uh as much as you can it's you know i know people will be going out this weekend some might take it easy after the fourth of july we are not um i'm actually going to be out on a boat tonight and then i'm going to brewers reds uh with podcast co-host mitch and a couple other guys uh, for mitch's birthday shout out mitch happy birthday i should have started the show with that uh belated or not even belated early birthday wish to him which it will fall on the 8th. So it's going to be a good fucking weekend here in Milwaukee. And if you're in, if you're on Summerfest or you're at the game tomorrow, give us a shout, tapping the keg on Twitter. We'll uh, hang out and have a beer, all right? Okay, I've done enough talking about the preamble. Let's get into my theory that the 2024 Brewers could be the 2023 Reds. So the Cincinnati Reds are one of the stories of baseball, if not the story of baseball. The Cincinnati Reds were six games under 500 when they lost the Milwaukee Brewers uh, on Sunday the 8th, or Sunday the 6th of June, excuse me. Uh, after that run, the Cincinnati Reds are now 10 games over 500. The C- Cincinnati Reds have lost six games since then, including a win on Monday where Andrew Abbott, the Monday after they had lost on Sunday, Andrew Abbott was one of the first to get called up, then Ellie De La Cruz, and it has been this absolute fireworks show of offense. The Reds do not seem to lose. It's absolutely 
crazy. And and everybody loves them. They're talking to the town. And they go viral on social media. Ali De La Cruz yesterday uh, hit a 455-foot home run uh, after Dave Davey Martinez asked to check the cord, cork of his bat. After that, De La Cruz hits a homer, shows Martinez the cork, and, and hits a massive home run. That actually happened on Wednesday, not Thursday. But besides the point, the Reds are the real deal, and everybody loves them. And it's a little frustrating as a Brewer fan, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, you're kind of like Squidward watching SpongeBob and Patrick play and seeing everybody hype up the Reds, gas up the Reds when you're just the Brewers. And you've been doing this now for the last five years. And it, the question, though, I, ha I posed at the start here is could next year's Brewers team be this year's Reds? And for starters, I just want to make it clear. I do not expect the Brewers to come out of nowhere next season. I think if Craig Council is back, I think the Brewers will set themselves up to contend. I think the Brewers will put themselves in a good position to be a contending baseball team next season if Craig Council is back. If Craig Council is not back, if there is another head coach or another manager, excuse me, on that, on that team, I think it could look a tad different. But I still think the Brewers would kind of adopt a similar mentality. That said, it could look different from the get-go because I could see a situation where there's no Willie Adamas, there's no Corbin Burns, there's no Brandon Woodruff. Those are all real things that are on the table. I know that that will piss a ton of people off, but you have to understand, you have to get the best value. Corbin Burns, you get a year's worth of value. You, If you expect to kind of contend, you don't wanna be at the deadline and have a Josh Hader situation happen again. Brandon Woodruff was a guy I think everybody was ready to sign, ready to give a big deal. But this is now the second arm injury that Woodruff has had in two years, and he's 30 years old. Like that, that's some warning flags. Those are those are some things that scare you when you're giving out big money as a small market. And Willie Adamas just has never matched his 2021 potential. I actually don't know if Willie Adamas has trade value to be dealt next off season. Maybe it's a Burns and Adonis trade or a Woodruff and Adonis trade. And that's how you kind of bump up the value a little bit. But yeah, it, there's a real chance that those three guys might not be playing for this team next year. I Do I think it's likely that all three are gone? No, I think maybe one, I think Burns for sure is gone. I, I would say if I had to rank it like a Mary fuck kill, if you will, which is a little aggressive, I guess. But if I did do it that way, I would say Mary Burns being the one that we traded. Uh, fuck, which would be the one that maybe he's traded as Adamus. And, or no, I would say Wood, yeah, Adamus. And then kill would be Woodruff. I, I think there is a chance that even with the arm injuries, maybe the Brewers talk to Woodruff about a three-year three-year, $90 million deal, something like that, where it's it, it gives him the financial security, but it it doesn't necessarily break the bank for the Brewers. It's $30 million is a lot of money for a pitcher and a lot of money for a small market team. But I still think that that sends the right message that you're not just turning and burning all of these guys. So even though there might be some frustration if some of these guys get traded or all these guys get traded, what if I told those fans that there's a chance the Brewers, the 2024 Brewers could be the Cincinnati Reds of this year. The Milwaukee Brewers are absolutely loaded with talent that could be ready to go next season, that could be ready to be part of this Brewers organization next year. And that, to me, is very exciting. That, to me, is...
patiently awaiting to see how the Brewers sort of navigate and handle this because they are going to have oodles of young talent ready to play Major League Baseball. And it it could lead to this sort of Reds-like push and the Brewers could be extremely successful with their young talent and to build sort of the foundation of the next generation of Brewers baseball. It was a take I was stewing on and I don't think I ever actually said it on a podcast. I definitely thought about it. And Greg Matzik, I know on TMJ, said it in April. If this version is basically the redux of 20, 2007, when you had Ryan Braun, you had Prince Fielder, you had Corey Hart, you had Ricky Weeks, you had J.J. Hardy. You had this you know, group of guys that were all coming up at the same time, already at the same time, and ready to make a statement on the organization. Now, back then, there was a lot of pressure to get into the playoffs. And that 2017, 2017 can all, should be always remembered, not forgotten. I know they didn't make the playoffs, but that was the year that everybody started to buy back into Brewer baseball. And then 2008 was when everyone went all in and you can still remember if you went to a CC Sabathia start, how great those games were and how mad some people were that they gave up Matt Laporta. Don't forget that. That's a fun little thing that people tend to forget. There were people mad that Matt Laporta got traded. Matt Laporta became absolutely nothing. It was a complete fleece job by Doug Melvin and it was a very bad deal for the then Indians at the time. But the 2024 Brewers, to get back to them, could have that 2007 sort of replication. Because if everybody kind of is ready at the same time, the Brewers should not be shy. They should learn from the Cincinnati Reds. They should learn from the Arizona Diamondbacks. They should see what those teams are doing, how they are infusing their young talent, and they should not pussyfoot around it. I do not think the Brewers have pussyfooted, honestly. I think you know what they did this year in terms of how they brought guys up with Mitchell, with Weimer, with Terang right away. Like those three guys were up right away. The Brewers didn't fuck around. They immediately brought those guys up. I think Freelich probably is up or he probably switches spots with Weimer in in April had he played a full training camp. I think the World Baseball Classic screwed him. I think that was unfortunate for him. I'm sure he loved playing for Italy. But that sort of costs Freelich in terms of a big league roster spot. I do think Sal Freelich is going to be up at some point as we talked yesterday. As Brett pointed out, I want to give him credit that Freelich, you know, would probably be up if Bryce Perkins was not as good as he's been. His offense has been solid. His defense has been really good. So it's hard to see a spot for Sal Freelich right now. And he's just blocked. And that's that's okay. That's not a big deal. That's a good problem to have. I know that probably draws frustration from Brewer fans. Uh, There was a guy today who said uh, Creston Hero is getting blackballed. Like, absolutely not, first of all. Uh, Second of all, like, yes, some of these guys have to buy their time. Some of these guys have to just, the right opportunity has to open up. And for Freelick, it'd be if, and you don't want Brad Perkins to get hurt, but if Brad Perkins gets hurt, then yeah, you're going to see Sal Freelick up here. And Sal Freelich's going to get a chance. I think the next outfield DL stint, Sal Freelich is going to be up as long as it's a significant one, not the Rowdy Telez 10-day Jeff Supon DL. So you'll have Sal Freelich up here. Sal Freelich will be ready to go. He'll be part of the Brewers' starting outfield, which will be very young, by the way. 
you should have Jackson Trejo, who is your Ellie De La Cruz. Jackson, Jackson Trejo is number three prospect in all of baseball. Yes, he's not having a stellar year. He had a game-tying home run or go-ahead home run tonight. Uh, he has had 11, now I think 12 on the year. He's batting about 245. He's stolen 23 bases. He's not tearing the cover off double A, but he's a 18-year-old kid. He is very young, and he is playing double A already. And the projections have Jackson Trio ready in 2024. Now, does that mean he's going to make the opening to roster? Probably not. But Trio is going to find his way onto this roster. And where you place him is very fascinating. That's the one thing I wonder about with the Brewers. About there is a case to run it back because they might have too many young outfielders. And that because they have too many young young outfielders, you could make a Granky-like trade, a Markham-like trade. Well, Markham maybe. Yeah, I would still throw Markham. That was a big deal. I mean, Brett Lowry, who was a shithead, but like that was significant that we gave up Brett Lowry to get Sean Markham. Uh, the Sabathia deal. Like, I could see the Brewers making one of those big trades to get a third baseman, which they desperately lack. Or potentially getting another starting top flight starting pitching and just say, all right, we're okay if Burns, Woodruff, Walk, whatever, they can get paid after the season, but we're gonna make one more run to the World Series because we think we have the right combination of young and old talent. And so maybe they're not the Reds. Maybe they're the 2003 Marlins, right? Where, you know, they win the World Series and then it all they all shut down after it. Uh, I loved, by the way, Really quick, uh, do I want to? There's a there's a line about the 20, 2000, 2003 Mar, uh, Marlins in the bear. I won't spoil it. I was gonna do the whole scene, but I'm not gonna spoil it for anybody who hasn't watched it. I don't want to be that guy. Uh, so uh, yes, it's it's awesome. It's a really cool scene. It's a it's such a flashback, and it, it's so poignant. And Oliver Platt is so right. Um, I, I don't know when we can do the bear. I know Shay Ken and I, next time we do a podcast, I think we're going to be talking about the bear. Uh, we've taught, we've added that to our list. Uh, both of us love it. He texted me about it last night. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's great. And that's, it just was a quick trigger when it mentioned the 2003 Marlins, but yeah, I mean, that's a real possibility because right now Chirillo's blocked. If, if you look at the Brewers lineup for next year, that not only is Christian Yelich there, and he's playing better defense, by the way, Sal Freelich, Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer. Now, according to Mitch, he could play, Sal Freelich can play second base. I've not seen that anywhere. I looked it up. I don't think it exists. I think Mitch is just talking out of his ass. So, and, and that's disrespectful for a guy who says birthday tomorrow, but so be it. Uh, but yeah, so you, have, so you have all those guys and then Trio. So would Trio get blocked? Is there a possibility they would keep Trio down for another year. I highly doubt that. I think at some point they're going to know Trio's ready and they're going to figure out. If they can't make a seismic move, they'll figure out how to play Trio in the outfield or at DH, right? And right now I have Christian Yelich occupying that DH role. And we'll get into the lineup here in a second. But it's a very interesting thing with Trio because he's he's kind of blocked right now and the defense out there with Mitchell, Freelich, and Weimer is really fucking solid. And, and, and Trio, I don't know if he has the defensive prowess as those guys. I haven't watched enough 
day-to-day. I watch highlights whenever I get a chance, of course, but I haven't actually sat down uh, to watch a Biloxi game or a Nashville. Well, he doesn't play for Nashville, but you get my point. Um, and we'll see, right? So I, I do think that is an interesting part. Jefferson Quiro is also very interesting. I butcher his last name. I think it's Quiro. doesn't matter. He's hitting 289 in Biloxi right now. He might be ready next year. He has had 10 home runs. He's not a power guy. He's hitting home runs. He's getting on base. He's a defensive first catcher, but Quiro looks ready, man. He's starting to kind of feel it, kind of, kind of be that guy. If I were the Brewers, I would have him taking reps at first base. I really would. I, I think he could be an all, unbelievable catcher, right? Like I think there's a real chance he could be very good at catching. Now, we have seen Francisco Alvarez do really well as the catcher of the New York Bats and has kind of become, you know, the I wouldn't say the unsung hero, but he's kind of revived that Mets team. And that Mets team now all of a sudden is starting to win baseball games. The Brewers caught the Mets at the perfect time. And it's worth remembering this, not to sidetrack for what we're talking about, but just a friendly reminder, Brewers caught the A's at an awful time. A's were red hot. Brewers caught the Mets at a great time. Mets were down. They took three out of four. Just keep that in the back pocket. That's how baseball works, man. It's it's crazy. But, but Kuro, who now I think I've said his name three different fucking times, uh, Jeff, Jeffy could be ready. Jeffy could be ready next year. Uh, so I would maybe try him a lot, maybe a little first base. Uh, see what see what's possible there. I also think William Contreras should take some first base reps. Maybe not this year, but definitely next spring training. So we could live in a world that the Brewers have Christian Yelich at DH, Jefferson Quiro at at catcher, William Contreras at first base, Tyler Black, who I didn't even talk about, who is just an absolute hitting machine. The guy does not stop hitting the baseball. He's in Biloxi. I don't know if. He'll be ready next. I, I like kind of think Tyler Black's ready now. Like I'm like, why why wait? Right? Like what just get him up. Like he could be as good as Owen Miller. Uh Bryce Strang, Sal Freelich, Garrett Mitchell, Jackson Trio, Joey Wimmer. Really, really special. And I think Brewer fans are discounting this. I don't think Brewer fans realize what's what's on the horizon. And why they just need to be fucking patient. This is a fun team, first of all. Like, this is not a bad Brewer season. Like people who think this is a bad Brewer season do not know ball. Okay, I know that's very cliche to say, but they don't know fucking ball. They don't know shit. This is a this has been a good Brewer season. Have there been frustrating patches? Yeah. Guess what? Just don't don't fucking watch if they're frustrating you. Pull the Eric. My friend Eric was like, yeah, I haven't watched a single inning, but I follow everything. I'm like, well, how the fuck does that work? Like. Aren't you curious? Don't you want to just turn on like three innings of baseball? Uh, I, I mean, that, that that's so weird to me. Uh, but anyways, uh, here nor there. Uh, it's clearly a Friday show because I'm just little darts all over the place there. The Brewers are, are fun this year and they can be more fun next year. And they could be Reds-esque where everybody sort of catches Brewers fever because they have all this young talent. I have said in the past... And I don't say it often, but, and, and be delicate with it. I do think Jackson Trio has a opportunity to make a Giannis-like impact in the greater Milwaukee area. That I think you'll see Trio jerseys all over the fucking, you know, playgrounds, the schools, the, you know, and, and schools ranging from elementary to college. And everybody's going to be rocking their Trio gear, man. And I really do think that, 
Jackson Trio is, you know, has a chance to be the future and has a chance to be a cornerstone player for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I, I just, I don't know if the common fan is, you know, paying attention enough to know that this is on the horizon. That they, that they should embrace this year, enjoy this year. You know, Craig Council, it might be his last year. Enjoy these moments and then get ready for next year when you potentially could have one of the best prospects in baseball and one of the best, if not the best, Brewers prospect to ever come up. Maybe the best Brewers prospect since Braun. That's, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about an absolute legend. A guy that so many, in terms of Braun, fell in love with and you know, still loved. And, and I, I probably should do that podcast soon. Uh, the Tatis uh, All-Star Game snub kind of reminds me a lot of Braun. Braun and I, I've been meaning to kind of put a little pen to paper and sort of think through that a little bit more because it, it does bother me. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do think that tr- there's a semblance there from a Trio Braun perspective. Sands the, sands the PED, beast, PED stuff, hopefully. But yes, I am very excited for what's to come for the Brewers. And it's very possible that the Brewers and Reds could be the best rivalry in the NL Central for the next three to five years. Speaking of Brewers and Reds, they play today. You have Andrew Abbott taking the mound against Corbin Burns. And I have a few questions, things to think about uh, as we head into this series. And I I really would plead with all of you, if you have not watched the Brewers this season, check them out this weekend. They're on FS1 on Saturday. So if you do not have Bally, you don't want to pay for Bally, you get your illegal stream for Bally doesn't work for baseball, but it does for basketball, you have them on FS1 on Saturday. So you can at least check them out, 310. 310 to me is the perfect time for baseball on Saturday because you can have some beers, you can get drunk, you head, you head out to the bar after, you head out to dinner or you head out to an event and you're feeling good. And it's, you still have the whole night. And you don't have to worry about baseball or worry about your team. So please, if you haven't seen Washington Brewers, this is the weekend to do it. So here's my, my number one question. Is Andrew Abbott really this good? Andrew Abbott has been awesome since he caught up. Andrew Abbott dominated the Brewers in his first start. And we are like, okay, hey, it's a lefty against the Brewers. You know, that, that is exactly what to expect. But then Andrew Abbott, you know, continued. He didn't stop. Uh, he's looked like a goddamn rookie of the year so far. Uh, I know Corbin Carroll, I think, has that on the lock of all locks. But Andrew Abbott's been really, really special so far. It does seem like there's a regression monster lurking. The question is, when does that regression monster hit? Uh, Abbott has a 3.48 uh, f- fielder's independent percentage, which sort of takes out a lot of the nonsense in baseball. And it tells you that there is regression coming for Andrew Abbott. So be the first team that Abbott sees twice. So that's interesting, right? They, they've actually seen his stuff. So he might not fool as many bats. It also should be noted that the Brewers have been sneaky okay against lefties this week. And they faced, this is their third le- fourth lefty they've faced in the last six games. Uh, so they faced Rich Hill. They face Drew Smiley, face Justin Steele, who's leading the NL in, in ERA and an All-Star. And now they get Abbott and they've tagged all of those guys for three or more runs. So I think that's that shows some signs around in the corner against lefties. So I, I, I'm kind of confident tonight 
Uh, and part of that is, will Corbin Burns be a dude again? I think Corbin Burns needs to deliver on what he did in Pittsburgh. And if that Corbin Burns shows up tonight and shuts down this, this awesome Reds offense, I, I'll, I'll be grateful for it. Uh, we've seen some struggles with Corbin against good offenses, uh, whether it was Boston. Uh, we saw him struggle against the Houston Astros. We saw him struggle against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So I, I do worry slightly that we could see the 2023 Burns lurk back around instead of the 2021 version. Uh, but it would be really great to get another solid quality start for Corbin and leave the first half on the right note. Uh, he, that to me was the best start we saw from Burns last last Saturday. I mean, maybe not the best because he struggled in the sixth inning, but he his command and control and his pitch selection was great. And I just hope Burns, you know, learn from that game and we'll sort of see, you know, this new generation, this Corbin Burns 2.0 on Friday, and hopefully he does not go back to the same shit. Number three is, can the Brewers bullpen hold up? Man, the Brewers have played 17 games in 17 days. Everybody's tired. Devin Williams had yesterday off. That was his, That would have been his fourth and five. So Devin Williams sat down for this series. Joel Piamis, his arms basically thrown off. He's a rubber arm guy. He pitched great on Thursday night, getting the save. Uh, Bryce Wilson has you know, pitched far too much for my liking. Elvis Peguero has pitched a ton. JC Mejia has been up and he's pitched twice in the two games he's been up. Clayton Andrews has been asked to, to go in there and help the team. I mean, it's, it's just hard, man. And I, I don't know if any of the guys they currently have on the IL are going to be ready for the Brewers. I, I think they do have like, pretty sure Trevor McGill's on the IL right now for the Brewers where they, they could have, you know, a potential like help is on the way, but I'm not sure. I did see Justin Wilson, who is a big league pitcher who's on their 60 day DL coming off of Tommy John, just got transferred to Nashville. So that that's interesting. That is, that is sort of a, you know, a guy who could be there for the Brewers in a couple weeks, uh, but definitely, Definitely not, um, definitely not somebody who's going to help out today, right? Like there is, there is no help on the way uh, for the Brewers, and and we'll see. Maybe they swap out some guys to kind of just keep fresh arms because that to me could be something the Brewers need need to continue to do until until the All Star break, right? Uh, it could be it could be that type of situation, but I, I well, let's hope that's not the case. Let's hope the bullpen can figure it out. Let's hope. You know, the Brewers can blow out the Reds on one of these games and give this bullpen a much needed rest where the Clayton Andrews of the world can, you know, can pitch, can can have can have their moments. And so it's not necessarily all on the backs of, of the other guys. Well, I thought McGill was on the IL. He wasn't. Interesting. Jay Cousins on the IL, so is Bennett Souza. Uh so we'll uh I we'll see who uh, who if there's anyone that could potentially get that call up. Number four, can the Brewers offense stay red hot? So everyone's talked about this Reds offense, but this Brewers offense has been pretty damn good, man. Uh, they have now scored five or more runs in seven of the last nine games. Uh, they, this to me is a little bit better version of what we've seen out of the Brewers. I realize the lineups are a joke. When you look at the lineups, you can't believe that these, this, these, 
this team is putting together five or more runs, but they are. And that's great. And that's, you know, all all you really can ask, right, uh, out of this Brewers team and and that they're maybe starting to round the corner. And they're 13th in OPS in the last seven games. They're hitting 266 as a team. We'll see that that ranks. That's 12th in baseball right now. Uh, and they're not doing it with a ton of home runs. They only have six home runs in the last seven games. And that ranks near the bottom. That's 18th in the league. But the Brewers are getting on base, which is which is what you want. I think they have, in, with hits right now, they have the 11th most hits. So very good stuff from the Brewers offensively. Do not sleep on that as maybe a difference maker here because the little dirty secret besides Abbott, the Reds have zero pitching. Uh, they have none. Uh, Luke Weaver versus Colin Ray on on Saturday has a very good chance to being 11 to 10, first to 11 wins because I know Ray's been good the last two two games, but I just I never expect Colin Ray to actually pitch well. So also be my third Colin Ray start of the season. If you were to tell me in March that you would have gone to six, I think it would be a six Brewer game, and you would have seen three Colin Ray starts, I'd be like, who who the fuck's Colin Ray? Uh, and then the last question is, how do you keep this Reds offense down? I just think you can't make mistakes, right? You can't walk guys. You can't have errors. You have to be really fundamentally sound. And we've seen a little bit uh, when the Brewers face some of the really good offenses that they're not always, always dialed in. And they have gotten blown out in a couple of those situations, whether it's the Astros, whether it's the Diamondbacks, whether it's the San Francisco Giants. Now, Granted, that was the weird Adamas game, but still, like, you know, those are good offenses that they've got steamrolled against. And so how do you prevent that steamroll from happening? How do you, you know, slow down the momentum? One thing I didn't have here, and then we'll go to Buck Summer League. I am curious to see how the Reds handle the pressure. Like, this is the most pressure the Reds have had during this entire win streak. You know, the Reds were, you know, the hunter, the hunty. And now, or they were the hunter, and now they're the hunty. Like I, now, the Brewers are directly hunting this Cincinnati Reds team. This Cincinnati Reds team will finally feel a little bit of pressure. And the question for me is, will will they crack? Will they will they sort of fall under pressure? They're the only time where they had sort of this pressure was that Atlanta series, and they lost two out of three. And yes, they were close. Whatever. But close doesn't doesn't get you far, right? Uh, you don't you don't get like a moral victory. Like the Reds don't have three or four moral victories. I mean, if the Oakland A's did, they they would be you know top tier moral victory team. Like they've lost a lot of one run games this year. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Reds handle the pressure, especially their bullpen guys, especially late. You know, if these games are close, if they're anything like the Cubs series, man. It's going to be a wild ride to the All-Star break. My dad, I was worried for my dad, but that was like, dad, that was way too intense for early July. And I, I could not have agreed more with the big guy. All right, let's move on to Bucks Summer League. Uh, Bucks Summer League is starting today. So you can actually go a little Bucks Summer League action at four, then Brewers Reds right after. Just you're all set, man. That's a that's a good Friday, good way to end the end the work week. If you are working, Bucks play the Nuggets today. And then they play tomorrow night at eight o'clock against the Phoenix Suns. Then on Tuesday against the Brooklyn Nets, and then on Thursday against the Miami Heat. And then they will play in the Summer League tournament 
the Bucks Summer League roster. Uh, before we get into like the four things about the Summer League, just in case you do not know who's on who's on the team, you have Vin Baker Jr., Paris Bass, Marjan Bochamp, Hugo Basson, Tyler Bay, Tyler Cook, Alu Diara, Taco Fall, Jazine Gortman, AJ Green, AJ Green just got paid. Shout out AJ. Alan Griffin, Andre Jackson Jr., Chris Livingston, Nick Mannion, not Nico. Nick, don't call me Nico Mannion. Iverson Molinar, uh, Amari Moore. Jabbar Barber supposed to play, isn't playing, which is a fucking bummer. Um, I think that would have been worth the price of admission. Anthony Torque or Torque, uh, Drew Timmy, and Lindell Wigington rounds us out. So, what should we pay attention to? Number one. Do not overreact to anything Adrian Griffin does. Adrian Griffin is coaching the Summer League team. It's a very rare thing for a head coach to coach the Summer League team. It's I, would, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's unheard of, but it doesn't seem like it happens very often. I would not freak out at anything Adrian Griffin does. Like if he's running plays or he's running a, a type of defense. And if it's really if it also works out really well, like we also shouldn't overreact in that capacity either. Like, we all just need to keep an even keel. Mitch and I have a podcast topic about this whole thing uh, coming up next week. But we all have to just relax and settle down. So don't, don't overreact to any of that. Marjan Bochamp showing signs of making a small leap. He had a press conference yesterday talking about how working with Giannis really helps him understand, you know, his part in the game and his purpose and everything else. And I, I do think that, Marjan Bochamp has a chance to tear up Summer League, has a chance to put a lot of people on notice. Again, it's just Summer League, but I do think there will be people that would overreact if Bochamp's averaging 30-plus a game. I really do. I don't know. Maybe he won't do that. But I, I, I think Marjan's going to have a major moment here in this week. Can Chris Livingston play a little bit, or is he still a year away from something? So I didn't include Andre Jackson in this, uh, just Chris Livingston, because... I'm very curious on him. I'm very curious to see if Chris Livingston can play in, in the NBA environment or if he's going to need some time. If he's going to need a G League year before we, we know what Livingston is. Uh, I think that's going to be a big challenge. Um, and we'll see. I know there's a clutch promise and everything else and you know Horse trying to build in that relationship. But if Livingston's not ready to play in the NBA, he's not ready to play in the NBA. It's simply, simply, simply put. But we're just going to have have to see. Lastly, is there anyone who could come out of nowhere and surprise everybody? Where all of a sudden we're like, oh, we have to consider him part of the rotation, or not? Maybe not part of the rotation, but part of the team. The only guys that I really sort of had my eyes on were Hugo Basson, great passer out of France. Uh, really talented offensive player, doesn't play a ton of defense. I do wonder, is there a route where Hugo Basson is suddenly your backup point guard? Um, that feels a little intense, uh, but it, you just never know, right? Nick, not Nico Mannion, was a top-tier player out of Arizona. Uh, he, yeah, at points, I think people thought he would be a top-10 pick out of the NBA draft. It obviously did not work out for him. Um, I'm just wondering, is there is that talent still there? Is he is it possible that there is something left there? He's he is a good three-point shooter or was back in college. You know, if Mannion shows that, is that a way 
to potentially open up a roster spot. I forgot Taco Fall when I was reading through all the guys, so I apologize to uh, Taco. Uh, other, and he wouldn't be on my surprise list. I'm trying to think of any other surprises. I like. I don't think Omari Moore is going to be a surprise. Like, I think Omari Moore has a chance to also be a guy kind of in that Bochamp category that could break out and that we're having real conversations about Amari Moore being a part of what the Bucks do, you know, next winter. Drew Timmy, I think, would be the last one, right? You did just sign Robin Lopez. Timmy has an Exhibit 10 contract, so he has a little bit of a specialized contract. I, I do wonder, like, if Timmy's a great, like, what does that do for the Robin Lopez signing? Because that would, that would kind of make things a little bit awkward. I, I don't know if Drew Timmy can play, Timmy can play in the... The NBA, but what if you know? What if he shows signs of it? He's he started hitting corner threes out of nowhere. Like that was something he didn't do in college, and now he's just hitting corner threes like he's fucking white Sam Perkins. So I I don't know. Maybe maybe there is a spot there. I just don't know how you fit him with now Robin Lopez. So I'm not gonna say that's a mistake. Like you just don't know. Um, but I, I hope that doesn't come back to bite them that they didn't have a roster spot for Drew Timmy, even though he was awesome in summer league because of Robin fucking Lopez. And we pro- we promised Brooke Lopez, you know, that. That would be be a little frustrating, just, just, a, just a tinge. And, and again, it's summer league though, right? Like it could be that Drew Timmy lights it up and then he goes and he gets signed by the Raptors and he sticks and he's just not an NBA player. And then you're like, okay, well, there's a reason why they signed Robin Lopez and then listen to me. So there you have it. All right. Let's wrap up today's show with the shuttle conversation. I'll try to keep it brief. I will try not to be too disparaging because I like this place. I don't want to get banned. But what happened to me at Camp Bar in Wauwatosa was arguably the biggest bait and switch of my life. Now, is that a little dramatic? Sure. But I have taken bar shuttles for as long as I've been 21. I, I've taken bar shuttles before I was 21 when, my, when I went to game with my dad. I have never, ever heard of a bar shuttle charge 20 fucking dollars like camp did last Saturday night. We're getting ready to go. Right? Get, we get dropped off there by my wife, who's a fucking saint, who drops us off. We're going to have a couple beers. We're going to watch the end of the Bergen. And then we're going to go down and see Yelkar. Yelkar, great shot. I think I mentioned that on Monday. But if I didn't, great shot. So I go to buy us beer and the bartender's like, well, you got to buy these certain beers for the shuttle, figuring partnership, whatever, that's fine. And I kind of hear, I kind of don't because there's a lot of commotion around. And she's like, yeah, it'll be $40. I'm like, $40. And I look at it, kind of look at it again. And I I was like, $40. She's like, oh yeah, the the shuttle is $20. And Mitch is in the, of course it was Mitch I was with. Mitch is in the bathroom. And I'm just like, well, I don't have time to like not pay for these or ask for a refund because I didn't know. And I wasn't gonna pull a Karen or go crazy on it and I just paid. But that is so scummy for a variety of reasons. Number one, charging $20 there and back is a joke. That to me is way too much of an investment. How is that money going back? That money's not going back to the drivers, all right? I do not believe you no matter what you say. That is an absolute killing 
that camp is making and nobody else is making. The park and ride, which the used to run in Wild Hosa, it doesn't anymore, would charge $5 round trip. Now I think they, they bumped it up to 10. $10 is respectable, honestly. Because you're like, you're paying the price of a park and ride. Fair, totally fair. But to double that cost does not seem right to me. It's not advertised anywhere that, hey, it's gonna cost $20. Maybe it is on our website. I, I didn't look, I was going to. Maybe we should check that out. See, see if we can find if they advertise that they have $20 shuttles. I bet they do not. Camp shuttle, okay. Now I could look really fucking stupid here if they do say this. Okay, so they have Summerfest listed. Get to camp safely, wristband required, okay. So they do say $20 per rider includes a complimentary drink. So they do point out that there is $20. I look a little foolish, I will admit. That is it, are you the asshole? Now, so I'm the asshole in that situation. That said, there is nothing, that's, that nothing is stated on their, on their bar, outside their bar, that hey, it's 20 bucks and that's what's gonna cost. I still think that's a ridiculous price. I appreciate they have it on their website. Good on them for that. But that that like removes the sanctity of bar shuttle. I will also say that, in my opinion, this is gonna sound dramatic, but it encourages drunk driving. It does, because why should a Tosa resident take a $20 shuttle when they could be like, all right, I'll just take it easy with beers and drive my own car and park down there and save myself money and spend that $20 on having one beer, or two beers, actually, I think it's nine bucks, two beers at, at Summerfest. But then what if two beers turns to four beers, or five beers, or, or nine beers? And then all of a sudden you gotta drive home, and then you get, you get a DUI. And then you think about, well, what if I would've just, you know, paid the $20 and went to camp? I don't know. It, it's just, I understand how some people could look at that as cheap, but I also, I also like have done this I, I am bar shuttles. I know bar shuttles better than many people. I know how they work. I know how they operate. $20 is a ridiculous cost. And, oh, I didn't even add this. They have one fucking bus. They don't even do two buses. Now, I, I get it when the brewers are in town. You, you need to have one for Brewers Reds and you need to have one for Summerfest. But one bus? Like if, if you're having $20 and you're like, and it's just a shuttle and people are getting in and out, in and out, in and out. I can understand that then. Then I can kind of get it because then you're providing an experience. Or if you're selling drinks on it or you know it's $20 and you get a free beer on your, you do get a free beer inside so you can take that on the bus, but you also have the access to have a free beer on your drive down. I don't know. I, I just, I, it's tough. It's really tough living out in the suburbs and that's really one of your only options. It's either that or Uber. And Uber's not too bad, it's like 30 bucks, but it's really disheartening, I guess, if you will. And so maybe I sounded like a poor, maybe I sounded like an asshole, maybe it sounded like a little bit of both. Maybe you guys relate to me, um, you know, let me know. I'll probably put a, put a poll somewhere, maybe I'll put it in threads too about if, would you pay $20 for a bar shuttle down to Summerfest? Um, but we'll, uh, 
talk about that and much more. We'll recap Brewers and Reds on Monday. We'll have shows all week leading up till Thursday, and then we'll have off Friday. So that will be the show times for next week. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, look forward to talking with you guys again on Monday after Brewers Reds. And hopefully it is a successful weekend for your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. Have a good weekend. And yeah, if you're at Brewers Reds on Saturday, give me a shout. Tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, probably two best places to find me. And then we can have beers, hang out. I will certainly buy. And I know those aren't cheap. That's okay. We'll put it on the expense report. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.